From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our podcast. We're so happy you're joining us today from wherever you're joining us all around the world. Absolutely. Speaking of being all around the world, I just got back from a trip to Brazil with my team. We had such a wonderful trip. Shout out to Vinny and Lila and Harmony and the whole team down there in Brasilia who worked so hard to promote these events. We had such an amazing weekend. I met some beautiful poor Claire nuns who've been reading my books and taking in this teaching, and they are on fire. What a gift to meet them. And then we had a, a very interesting experience on, uh, we, we did a Friday night event, we did all day Saturday event, and then we did all day Sunday, a seminar on the Blessed Mother on Sunday. And uh, there was a storm that came through and the electricity went out. And we were like, what do we do? Like, yeah, I just want to say about that. You yeah. know, you're you're utilizing all kinds of electrical yeah, things like for this event. Microphone, hello, uh, tr a simultaneous translation, um, PowerPoint presentation, um, all of that gone. Lights, how about lights in the auditorium? Gone, we're in the dark. And we waited like an hour and the power finally came back on. So we resumed and then within a few minutes, boom, lights out again. And we learned that the whole, like a whole chunk of the city had the electricity out initially. That got restored in about an hour. And then it was just the building we were in. The second time, like a tree branch fell on the wire connecting the electricity to this building, no power for the rest of the day. And Jason, the executive director of the Institute and I, we looked at each other, we're like, you know what's gonna happen? We're, we'll keep going. All right, we're going to figure this out. But at the end of the day, as soon as we're done, the lights are going to come back on. We just felt it was some like weird spiritual funk going down. And um, that's what happened. We, we managed with candlelight. We managed by gathering everybody cl really close to the stage and I had to shout a little bit to get the message out. And the translator had to come out on stage. And we had the English speakers on one side, the Portuguese speakers on the other. We, we managed it. And, and actually, it was actually really beautiful thing. We, we had candlelight. Um, it's like we were kind of gathered around a campfire. Some, and I don't know, we put it this way. If the enemy was trying to meddle, he did not win. Right. And during the break in the afternoon, I kid you not, if, if you've been ever to a seminar of mine or a course, you know, I, I usually show that video of the double rainbow guy. If you don't know the double rainbow guy, look him up on YouTube. And after the storm had passed, there's this gorgeous double rainbow over the building. Like mm. God saying, I'm with you. Don't worry about it. I'm working something mighty here. And yep, sure enough, at the end of the day, five minutes after we end, the lights come back on. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very memorable trip to Brazil. I, I will never forget that uh, mm. experience of the electricity yeah. going out and how yeah. the Lord worked it. Yeah, there are different occasions over the course of your ministry where things that maybe go wrong produce an effect that you couldn't have planned Could not for have, yep. and yet it it everyone who's there is blessed by the overcoming of yep. that. Yep. Yep, it was a real example of the Lord bring about bringing about a greater good than could have happened if the electricity had never gone out. It was thank you Lord for yeah. that. 
I am grateful. Kip, any updates for us about the TOV Institute? Yes, I want to share a very particular need that we have at the Institute, and I want to appeal to all of you who have been blessed by our ministry. We are getting requests from around the world. Uh, There's been an uptick in the demand for our work, and we are not able to meet it because we are limited in our resources and our staff. We are really in need of hiring in the next year Well, as soon as it is financially possible, we need to hire about another three or four staff people to do what we need to do to fulfill our mission. And uh, we just need to rely on the people who are blessed by our work and know the value of what we do to respond. So if you're feeling that nudge right now, we are in need of your support in a Mm -hmm. real way. If you are not already a patron, would you please prayerfully consider clicking that link in the show notes and becoming a patron. Uh, Patronage starts at just $10 a month, but if you're able to give more than $10 a month, uh, we would receive that and put that to very good use. We really need to raise some capital to continue our ministry and fulfill the demand that is out there. If you are already a patron, maybe you would consider making a gift of a patronage to, to someone else, because other people could benefit from the resources that we offer our patrons. Maybe you want to sponsor somebody. Maybe you have a friend, a relative, a son, a daughter, a cousin, who knows, anybody. You might want to say, I'd like to sign this person up as a patron, and so they will get the benefits of all of the retreats we offer, the access to the recordings and videos that we offer our patrons Uh, And just if you're not familiar with that, um, we have two or three times a year, we do a retreat just for our patrons. We've done retreats with uh, Bob Schutz, Andrew Comiskey, Father Timothy Gallagher, uh, Jason Everett, and some others. You can check them out. There's a series for teens on the theology of the body there. There's a study series called God, Sex, and the Meaning of Life on there. You get access to our... Um, virtual conferences that we've had in the past. Gosh, Scott Hahn, Jeff Caven, all kinds of people on on our patron talks that you have access to. Anyway, I'm not going to go through all the benefits. You can check them out on the website, but we really are in need of an increase in our patrons to fulfill our demand. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Please pray about that. Yeah, uh, We'd be so grateful if you'd be willing to support us. Yes, and thank you to all those who yes, already thank do. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, so you, much. you make our work possible. Yes. Are you ready for a question? We are. Okay. I am. Let's go. This is from a patron named Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Hello. I'm a young man in my mid-20s from a broken Catholic family. I've been listening to your podcast for more than a year now and finally felt moved by the Holy Spirit to write to you both. Your guys' relationship really touches me, and I hope to one day be a Catholic husband and father, married to a beautiful, virtuous Catholic woman. But I fear this is impossible for me. Neither do I see the priesthood as an alternative. The call just isn't there. I feel more drawn to continuing my studies to be a first responder and a novelist. A couple years ago, I confessed to my mother privately that I was attracted to guys. While she's since apologized for what she said that day, her words still haunt me. 
you can't tell anyone about this. Otherwise, no good woman would love you. Oh, oh, ouch. This has caused me great pain in an already shameful part of my interior life. Oh, mercy. Which has fed thoughts of suicide and a nearly decade-long porn addiction. Mercy, Jesus. I also told my father about my same-sex attraction. All he did was smirk and say, well, at least you feel something. Oh, mercy. It's no surprise. My parents will officially be divorced before summer starts this year. Lately, I just don't see the point of remaining Catholic or a virgin if I'm left alone while everyone else enjoys companionship and family life. And I contemplate giving up the faith altogether just to finally experience some peace and hopefully find someone to love who loves me. Yet I still attend Mass, pray rosaries, and go to confession weekly because I still hope. I just don't know for what I'm hoping. Mm. What advice do you have for me? Daniel. Daniel, thank you. Thank you for writing to us. That was the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, brother. I, I'm th- uh, that You could hear it in my voice, I'm sure. I just felt the pain in my own soul of your mother's comment. Um, I'm so sorry, Daniel, that that's what she said, and your father's flippant comment. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, We all have deep in our souls mother wounds and father wounds. And how can I say that so confidently? Because we're made for perfect love, and nobody in this earthly existence, in this fallen world, has a perfect mother and a father. Nobody. I don't care. I mean, I do care. I I hope you had great parents. And if they were the greatest parents on the world, that's awesome. But they were not perfect. And they are not not fallen. Right? And we are made for perfect love. We are made for love that is not fallen love. And that love can only reach us from two people who are unfallen, Jesus and Mary. Jesus is the perfect revelation of the love of the Father. And Mary is our perfect mama. And Daniel, I, I, I invite you. I mean, this is why I'm so encouraged, really, just hearing in the midst of all your struggles that you're still going to Mass, that you're still praying, that you still have hope. That is a sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that temptation to despair, that temptation just to throw in the towel, that temptation to go indulge in disordered desires, that's, that's, a, that's just a recognition that you're in a battle. You're in a battle between hope and despair. You're in a battle between virtue and vice. You're in a battle between good and evil. You're in a battle between love and all that is opposed to love. And that's not unusual because we're all in that battle. Here's my sense as I I hear your heart in your question. I once heard this analogy of a healthy sexual identity coming from our train running on two tracks. One track is sexual identification, and the other track is sexual complementarity. For you and for me, Daniel, as men, Obviously, the track of sexual identification would be our relationship with other men in our lives, particularly our father. And the track of sexual complementarity comes from our relationship with women in our lives, primarily our mother. But when there are diseased relationships, relationships that are broken or wounded, our tracks can get warped. 
our tracks can even be missing large chunks of that track, right? And that's how our train gets derailed, right? It's no wonder in our world today that so many people are experiencing same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria and all kinds of sexual brokenness and confusion when the family is collapsing. And what's meant to be healthy relationships with mother and father are often very unhealthy, and the tracks get warped or we're missing big sections and our train goes off the rails. But brother, here's our hope of healing and redemption. Jesus, for you and for me, brother, is our perfect track of gender identification. And Mary is the perfect track for us as men of gender or sexual complementarity. We can take all of our wounds, all of those missing chunks of the track, all of those warped sections of the track where we got derailed, we can take them to Jesus. We can take them to Mary. Uh, I'll tell you a story of a man I just met in Brazil who um, left his wife and pursued a, a gay lifestyle for many years, did the whole gay pride thing, and found it utterly, utterly dis, uh, just an empty pit, uh, was in despair. Thanks be to God, he came back to the church, but he was still haunted by diseased images and ideas from the pornography he had been exposed to and the activities he had engaged in. And on this just a few days ago, when I was giving this seminar in Brazil on the Blessed Mother, I invited everyone to reflect on Mary as mother. And what this means, that the natural level of motherhood involves conception in the womb, the carrying in the womb, the birth, the nursing at the breast, and the raising of that child and educating of that child. It's the true. It's the it's the same truth with with supernatural motherhood, with Mary's motherhood in the order of grace, in the in the supernatural dimension, in the order of grace. Mary carries us mystically in her womb. She births us mystically from her body. She nurses us mystically at her breast. She raises us and educates us and and brings us deeper into the life. Of, of Christ. This is what she does as our spiritual mother. And I had an image up on the screen, this is before the power went out at the talk, an image that is part of the Catholic tradition, although we've, for the most part, we've lost it in the modern world, or it's just unfamiliar to many Catholics today, but the image was of Our Lady of La Leche, meaning Our Lady of the Milk. And it's a beautiful, sacred image of Mary nursing the Christ child. And this man came up to me at the break and started sharing with me how that image had brought almost in an instant a healing that he had been praying for for decades, that these diseased images and ideas would be lifted and stop haunting him. And, you know, I had to talk to him through the translator, and I, I didn't understand quite all the details of the story, but I understood this, that he had a living encounter with Mary as his mother, and that she drew him as an infant to her breast, and that he was drinking deeply of the milk of her comfort. And that's a quote from Isaiah 66, uh, where, where the prophet Isaiah says, we will all drink deeply from the abundant breast of the new Jerusalem and find comfort in the overflow of her milk. Uh, 
And my brother Daniel, this is what I'm sensing. That thing that your mother said to you was not only sour milk, but like poisonous milk. Like it was diabolical. And I'm not saying your mother was possessed by a demon or something. I wouldn't, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the enemy can work through other people's words to poison us, to scar us, to wound us. And the image is that was, yeah, not just sour milk, but like real poison to your soul. And the way that poison can be flushed out is through the milk of grace that flows through Our Lady of La Leche. I encourage you, Daniel, um, go to Google Images and type in Icon of Our Lady of La Leche, Our Lady of the Milk or the Nursing Madonna, and you will see hundreds of examples from sacred art, from the Catholic tradition of Our Lady of La Leche. And take that memory of your mother's poisonous milk, so to speak, to the Blessed Mother and ask her, Mary, what, what do you say? Share, go to that memory of sharing that you have that attraction to other men. You take that memory of sharing it with your earthly mother and bring your heavenly mother into the memory and ask her what she has to say about that. Mm. Ask her what she speaks to your heart. And she will speak words of healing and hope and redemption. Her milk will be truly nourishing. And take that memory of going to your father and take it to Jesus or take it to St. Joseph or take it directly to the Heavenly Father. But I, I say Jesus because Jesus says, "You, those who have seen me have seen the Father. Jesus is the incarnation of of the Father's love. Jesus is the, pre- he's, he is the visible expression of the love of the Father. Um, so you can go right to Jesus, you can go to the Heavenly Father, you can go to St. Joseph, you can go to any of your favorite men saints. The point is to go to that track of complementarity with the Blessed Mother and that track of identification with Christ or St. Joseph or John Paul II or any other favorite saint you have that is living the full truth of masculinity, to restore those tracks so that your train can ride smoothly into a full sense of your true identity as a man. Daniel, I'd also recommend to you, uh, we at the Theology Body Institute, we we have a a list of counselors that we recommend, uh, and we'll put uh, a link to that in the show notes. And I, I, I just think from the, the, the deep, painful experiences you've had that some counseling could be very, very important for your heart, so long as it's coming from a good counselor, someone who's Catholic and understands authentic Catholic, Catholic anthropology and the authentic journey of redemption. And the uh, counselors and therapists that we recommend would be trustworthy in that regard. Mm. Yeah, I agree with all that you're sharing with Daniel. Um, And I just want to, the only thing I could add would be that I want to pray for your parents um, and the wounds that they have in their hearts that they have passed on to you. You, Your opening sentence was, I I come from a broken Catholic family. And, um, you know, you're describing just a little window into some of that 
brokenness. And I really do pray that your openness to grace, which is imperfect, as you've said, and is really challenged by some serious conniving temptations of the evil one to tell you, wouldn't it be easier? Wouldn't it be easier here? And somehow that seems like a easier is better, which it isn't. Um, but it wouldn't be easier. That's the tragedy That's of lies right. That's right. <clears throat> that we believe. These are some serious attacks on the gift that you are. You know, we say that in our podcast episodes. You are a gift. You are a gift, Daniel. You are a gift. And we're so grateful that the Lord created you in His infinite creativity And it is painful that those who had the privilege of receiving you as the gift that you are as an infant wounded you in so many ways. And as Christopher was talking about, just ways to heal some of those wounds, and we're all on that journey. Um, I also want to pray for their wounded hearts. Maybe not knowing the gift that they are. Um, and not being able to shine the light in this world that God created them to shine. So I I lift up Daniel's parents to you, Lord, that you would please. There's no reason to give up hope on anybody. (laughs) Even in this uh, dark world, you have an amazing ability, Lord, because you're all-powerful, to draw us to yourself and to heal things that we thought could not be healed. So I pray for that for Daniel. I pray for that for his parents, that not only would they be restored to relationship with you, but that restoration would lead to great good in this world and to sharing eternity together in heaven. That's my prayer, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We lift that prayer up. Daniel, I have just just one further thought. As Wendy was talking there, it inspired this, that I think we have a little window into the wounds of both of your parents by what they said to you. Mm. Your mom's, don't tell anybody, no one will ever love you, which is such a lie, such a lie. But it's a lie your mom herself believes. You know, there must be so many things that she's kept in and not told anybody because she thinks she's unlovable. And your dad, at least you feel something. Well, it's probably a window into places where your dad feels just numb and your offering of the pain that they have caused you to the Lord can become a powerful intercession for the healing of your mother and your father. Mm -hmm. Uh, The catechism says it's not in our power not to feel or to forget when we've been wounded, but the heart that offers that pain to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit transforms that pain into intercession transforms the hurt into intercession and and into compassion. We have compassion for those who've wounded us because we realize the pain we're in is the pain they're in. They've dumped their pain on us. Your, your mom and your dad dumped a lot of pain on you. And maybe they don't have right now in their journey the capacity to open that pain to the Lord. But you are on the journey of opening that pain to the Lord. And that can have a tremendous healing effect, not just for you, but for them. Ask the Lord to to give you that grace of compassion for them in their pain and to transform that hurt into intercession 
for them in their brokenness. This is how redemption happens. This is how healing happens. Brother, you are on that journey. Keep going, Daniel. Keep going. We love you. We bless you. Keep going. Mm -hmm. The next question is from a listener named Shannon. Hello, Shannon. Hello, Christopher and Wendy. I've been listening to your podcast since 2019. Your voices have become an incredible source of safety and comfort for me. Thank you both so much for your wisdom. That's a really happy thought. Mm -hmm. As for my question, could you share what helps you keep the spiritual reality of the marital embrace at the forefront of your mind as you love your spouse? I've been married for just over a year, and I sometimes worry that I might be using my husband. Are there any tips or suggestions to better love my husband as Christ does, especially in this way? Bless you, Shannon. Wow, uh, that's a wide open question that could go in, in many different directions. I, just, I love that you're asking it. I love that you have that sensitivity. The very fact that you have the sensitivity is going to serve you very, very well because sadly a lot of people don't have that sensitivity. I can share... Um, I mean, this is what comes to my mind. I could, as I said, I could go, uh, could answer this question from many different angles. But I can feel in my heart when there's a lack of integrity in my desire for union with you, my love. I can feel it in my, yeah, in my heart. It's like a feeling of something's off. And there is a deep desire in my heart to be a genuine gift to you. But to be that genuine gift to you, I have to look at all kinds of stuff in my soul that's pulling me in other directions. And when we first got married, I didn't understand how deep my broken humanity went. And not that I even, not that I do now, I don't want to claim I do now, but I, I have a better understanding. I can certainly say that. Um, I thought just having this theology in my head that I knew this is supposed to be something holy and sacred, I understand it, I can give talks about it, I can write books about it, That's that. then that means because I understand it, then I'm doing it. Uh, no, that's not the case. We are, <laughs> we are all invited on a long journey of inner purification. One of the constant refrains of my spiritual director over the nearly 20 years I've been seeing him is, uh, Christopher, make peace with the journey. Take nothing but a walking stick, as Jesus says, and make peace with the journey. It's going to be long. And, and one of the lies I've believed, and it's a biggie, it's the lie that every perfectionist believes, I'm not going to be lovable until I get it all right, until I figure it all out. And so this idea of, of a long journey that never ends is torturous for the perfectionist because he thinks he's never going to be lovable because he's never going to figure it out. Well, the revolution of the gospel is that the journey is, is not the journey of the perfectionist, which believes I got to figure it out to be loved. It's the journey to perfection, right? It's the journey to perfection. And the journey to perfection happens by realizing I'm loved in all my imperfections. I'm not trying to be perfect to earn love. Uh, 
I have to realize I'm loved in my crap. I'm loved in my brokenness. This is love that he, he showed us while we were still sinners. He died for us. And if he, if he showed us such great love there, what do we have to fear? We are loved. We are loved in our brokenness. This, this is the game changer of the gospel. I don't have to earn love. I don't have to be perfect to be lovable. In fact, a saint is not someone who's perfect. A saint is someone who knows he or she is perfectly loved in all of his or her imperfections. And taking up that journey of realizing I'm loved in all my imperfections is critical in learning how to love you, Wendy, and it's critical in learning how to receive your love. And that's what the marital embrace is all about. In order to, the perfectionist, if I'm living from that paradigm, which I've done a lot of my life, lived from that paradigm, I have to pretend I got my SHIT together and then come to you with some false virtue that I don't really have, but I'm pretending I have it because I can't bear the thought that I don't have it. And then I wear this mask to make it look like I have the virtue, and all the while underneath all kinds of painful things are going on. That's just disastrous, that you're headed for a crash. You're headed for a major disillusionment. But here, the word disillusionment is actually a good thing. Disillusionment. Think of that word. Disillusionment. It really means getting rid of your illusions. Mm -hmm. And I had this illusion for so long that I had to have my SHIT together to be lovable and pretend I had it all together in order to be a good husband. And I've come to learn through painful trials that you and I have been through together, Wendy, I have had these disillusionments where I've come to realize, no, 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 I don't have to have my SHIT together. I have to learn how to open my SHIT to the merciful love of the Father and learn the oh-so-painful but oh-so-critical lesson. When I am weak, then I am strong. I came into our marriage thinking I had this strength to offer you because I had discovered the theology of the body and, and our marriage is going to be great because I got all this knowledge in my head. Okay, <laughs> that I'm as broken as any human being is, and it's not—it's not just knowledge in your head that's going to save you. It's—it's it's the transformation of the heart. It's the falling off of the masks. It's the realizing when I'm weak, then I'm strong, and opening our brokenness to become a channel of grace and coming to the marriage bed, not thinking I figured it out. And I know how to be this perfect gift to you, Wendy, but coming to the marriage bed in my weakness, in my brokenness, and opening it to the Lord to be a channel so that I, even in my weakness, the Lord's grace can work through me in my weakness to bless you, to reach you, so that our union can be a true sacrament of the way God loves. Not that I come there with that strength, but I come there with my weakness, and when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I'm still on that journey. We're still on that journey mm -hmm. together. And there's still so much more to learn, so much more to experience as husband and wife. And we can look back on, on nearly 28 years and say, thank you, God, for all the joys and all the trials. You've used it all to work about a great miracle of redemption. That's, 
I don't know what else to say to married couples. That's the journey. It's true. It's true. And I, I'm really blessed by Shannon sharing this question. And I, I like the way she worded this. What helps you keep the spiritual reality of the marital embrace at the forefront of your mind as you love your spouse? So I, it's a, a personal question, you know, what helps you, what helps me, um, and what will help Shannon and, and her husband may be different. But it is, a, it is a beautiful thing to want to have that in mind and, and so helpful. So I, I just want to acknowledge that we are, as you said, on a journey in all of married life and in that oh-so-sacred um, exchange of our union. It's, it's also a journey, and it has kind of a learning components of the heart and learning components of the body and adjustments to different stages of both the heart and the body that, that just are unique to each couple. And I, um, I know the Lord knows the intimate details of each and every couple, and it's safe um, to just open all of our questions and concerns to Him. And I, if people listen to our podcast, I hope that they are really realizing that that is totally safe. The Lord is not in any way, you know, hesitant to know about whatever is going on in our marital life. And he's not wagging fingers. No. He's not shaming yes. or scolding. Right. He, he will point out where our brokenness lies, but not with a shaming or a scolding, but with an invitation mm-hmm. to healing and yeah. redemption. And in the case of one of the struggles that can be there in our union is that we are we're called to be a gift to the other, to receive the gift of the other, to minister to the other and be ministered to all in the same exchange. Yeah. <laughs> and that is that is a challenge. Yeah. You know, and sometimes in that exchange, I think the balance can go different directions. I yeah. you know, it's not a perfect always equal sense of whether you are tuned into the ministering to the other versus the receiving of the ministry. Um, And so, you know, that part can be really personal to your journey and your state as a couple. Um, So I just want to say to Shannon, some of the things you might be struggling with on a deeper level is maybe how are you able to both receive ministry and give in the same exchange, which none of us can expect to have perfect or expect, you know, it to occur in a perfect way. But some of the things that are helpful to me, as you asked, you know, about how to love your spouse, to understand the deeper meaning of this intimate encounter. Um, One of the things that that helps me is to remember the honor it is to be the one who ministers to this one unique human being in this way. And the honor it is to receive his ministry to me. So that sense of gratitude, of of a holy calling, and I'm just trusting like, Lord, this is your plan for my life and for his life. And it's a mystery. It can't be parsed out perfectly, but to thank the Lord for that, to experience it as a call on my whole life that's expressed in a particular way 
in our union, but expressed in our, the whole of our marriage, that call that the Lord has given me to be able to intimately um, know and minister to and be a consolation, to be an encouragement to my husband. Um, that is very, very helpful for me. Shannon, I I apologize if my my answer was somewhat meandering. I hope you can find some food for thought in all that I shared. But if I could kind of boil it down to what I began to say before I started meandering on all kinds of other topics, Um, transparency. Like when I I recognize in my heart something's off, I want to be transparent with Wendy about it. And you, you raised the issue, maybe sometimes I'm... I feel like I might be using my husband or I have a question as to whether I am using my husband. I'd, I'd invite you to just be transparent about that with him, like put that in the light. Say to him, I, I have this just trouble in my conscience. I, I, I feel sometimes that I, I might be uh, using you in some ways and ask him if he has felt that. And maybe he will reassure you that he hasn't felt that. And maybe you'll have a, okay, maybe I'm making something up or something I'm feeling isn't exactly true. or, But transparency, learning to talk openly and intimately about what we are feeling, including our fears, our concerns, our questions, our preferences, all of that, it makes, makes, it makes one very vulnerable to put into words what's going on interiorly surrounding marital intimacies and the marriage bed. That makes one incredibly vulnerable. But guess what? I mean, that's what marriage calls us to. And if we run into fears there, oh, I would never say that to my husband. Well, why? Why wouldn't you say that to your husband? And maybe it's because of your husband's brokenness or you have a track record of he doesn't really receive you there. And, and well, that's something to work through and pray for, his openness to being more vulnerable and you know, every couple is different here, uh, and things that Wendy and I experience as normal in our relationship may not be normal in other people's relationships and vice versa, but I just invite couples to consider a new kind of vulnerability where you're learning to express to one another with words or gestures what's really going on so that you can know each other's hearts more and that the marital embrace can be a real expression, a physical expression of an interior reality. Inasmuch as the physical does not correspond to an interior reality, if there's a a total giving of bodies, but inside we're holding something back, uh, or we're naked in body, but we're not really naked in our hearts with one another, then there's there's a need for for growth there. There's a need for a, a deepening of intimacy there. And again, it's a long journey. Uh, be not afraid. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Our next question is from a listener named Lauren. Hello, Lauren. Dear Christopher and Wendy, thank you so much for your ministry. I have a lighthearted question. Can you make a playlist? with all the great songs Christopher breaks into on the podcast and in his teaching. I love that good secular art when seen through the lens of our relationship with Christ can pierce the heart with holy erotic longing. Woo! I'm 29 and much of the music I hear now and grew up with doesn't have the same resonance as those older ballads. <laughs> Lauren, thank you. I love you, Lauren. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel a deep kinship with your heart there. Um, yeah, uh, gosh, could I do a playlist? Uh, wow. Why don't you just name a few things that would go on a playlist? A few rather... things that would go on a playlist. <laughs> well, oh my gosh, where do I even begin? I mean, I would begin with, this is just the playlist of my heart, right? This That's... is not like for everybody. Yeah. I don't want to impose my musical tastes on everybody. But the music that has blessed me has always been music that, that comes from that deep ache and expresses it, looks at it and says, I'm going to get it out. And the artists that do that for me, for me, the artists that have done that are Springsteen, U2. Uh, there's a band called The Alarm that I absolutely loved as a teenager. But I, I would have to, like, I feel a little bit on the spot. Like, these, these songs that you'll hear me sing spontaneously, like, they just, like, plop, they're there, they well up, and they come out. <laughs> like, to be put on the spot and say, tell me all the songs that you sing about. <laughs> I, 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 have to, I have to be in the zone where the song actually wells up. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the songs are in there, mm-hmm. and, and they, they well up at times because something that's moving through my heart becomes... It needs to be expressed, and the way my heart expresses what's getting moved through me right then just happens to be this song that, yeah. oh, well, that song expresses it. So what I'm feeling right now is at a loss for even knowing how to, <laughs> to find those songs when I'm not yeah. in the zone. When, yeah. it, when the movement is not passing through me, I, I can't right. just conjure it up. It's yeah. not like I'm It's not like I'm up there and with a list of songs, like I have my list out on a sheet of paper at the podium and I'm like, oh, this song would be good for this teaching point. It's just a spontaneous thing. It wells up. Isn't that beautiful though? That's a beautiful thing to share is that that, um, uh, the way that you're sharing your heart. I I will just say this to Lauren and all our listeners that um, the day we met one another, which was in October of 1991, we were at a Christian college student gathering, and you were one of a few people who shared a short testimony where you were talking about some aspect of God's working in your life. And there was something in the way you spoke then, you were how old? Uh, I was 22, almost 22. Almost 22. Um, you, You shared your heart in a way that was unusual. Like that's a special gift God has given you. And when someone shares his or her heart, it awakens other people's hearts. And I've thought always since that time, that day I met you, heart speaks to heart. Mm. Is a, it's, a, mm. it's a saying that I think can be applied to the experience of your, um, of your work, you know, which is, uh, sharing your heart and it enables other people to know their own hearts, which as you said in your answer, those songs are in your heart and other people have beautiful, meaningful songs in their, in their hearts, hearts yeah. and belong on their playlists. I don't say this to be critical of the question, because as you said, Lauren, it's lighthearted, but it may be for other people to do. Other people who are regular listeners to different things you've shared may be able to come up with a playlist just for the fun of it i have in the past like it was i don't know when it was like just songs just started i mean they've always kind of been present to me but yeah there was a stage in my own interior journey 
when music just started welling up. Mm. Um, and I think it was right around the time I, I, um, I was taking spiritual direction more seriously and learning to become a student of my own heart a little yeah. more seriously. Music was just, it was the language that, that expressed what was going on in mm-hmm. me. And that's really what, what good art is. Art is the language of the heart. And, you know, I'll just share this too, that you and I, Wendy, have had some real pain in our relationship because of my artistic arrogance. I'll just call it what it is, where I thought my music was better than your music. I Even to say that now, it's like, oh my gosh. And it's a marker of how the Lord has really worked in my life. Like, to even say it is like, puts a bad taste in my mouth. Mm. I have come to honor the sacred place of every human being's heart when it comes to the art that speaks to that heart. Because it's a sacred place, man. It is a sacred zone. Um, I I don't need the whole world to appreciate Springsteen and Bono, but I do need the world to recognize that, that it, you know, there's something in my heart that, that that's so precious to me. And if you're going to spit on, on that, you're actually spitting on my, my, my heart. And in coming to realize how, how I feel about music in that way, I realized comments that I had made to you, Wendy, at certain times about certain songs I just didn't understand, or why did you like that music? Ah, it's terrible, but it was, it was such a wound to your heart. I'm so sorry. I'm oh, so sorry, my love. Thank you, my love. Gosh darn it. So painful. The Lord is so good and merciful. He is. He is. Thank you, Lord, for being yeah. so kind and merciful to us in our brokenness. Um, but the, 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 why am I sharing any of this? I'm sharing it to say how how beautiful the gift of music can be and how revelatory of the human heart it can be. I'm telling you, the music that has spoken to you, the music that is meaningful to you, is a window into your heart. Even if the music that spoke to you was messed up or twisted up, I have a priest friend who was, when he was a teenager, he was into all kinds of really raucous, rough music, like ACDC and Motley Crue, and I mean, this stuff is perverse, (laughs) But, but... This is the miracle of what redemption can do. It can take even things that are really twisted up and untwist them. Why? How does that work? Because the devil doesn't have his own clay, right? Even the most, most perverse heavy metal song has taken something good and twisted it up. And this beautiful priest I know who loved ACDC's Highway to Hell he once shared how the Lord took the lyrics from Highway to Hell and untwisted them, and it became a, a song of redemption. Uh, it became a following of Jesus in the descent into hell, and then the ascension into glory. Uh, I just use that as one example. My point here, music is sacred, and, and Lauren is, is bringing this up, um, and I'm so glad that when I break into song, Lauren, it has blessed you. Uh, and that's, as Wendy was saying, that's heart singing to heart. That's deep calling out to deep. Um, and and maybe I will make a collection of songs and, and post it somewhere. Uh, I'll consider that. Yeah. I haven't yet, but maybe I will. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren, for, for blessing me by seeing 
just my own heart shining when yes. I when I break into song because I've been criticized for it too. <laughs> uh, I've been told this, you know, I won't go down that road. But <laughs> in as much as it blesses me to be seen in that way, in my vulnerability, it yeah, it 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 hurts. It stings when when people mock me or whatever for my <laughs> love of music. But I give all that to the Lord. I'm done now. I think I'm going to end it there. I hope some of the ra- I seems this has been a rambling episode. I have no, rambled quite a bit on no, this one. No, do not say that. It is not true. You've shared many, many beautiful nuggets of truth and visions of the journey that are so helpful. I hope my ramblings have been helpful. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please share this episode with anybody who needs to hear. And thank you for being part of this international podcast family. It really is a joy to be of service to you guys. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And know it in your bones. You are a gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.